What's going on, everyone? And welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, and we have quite the live stream for those of you who are joining us on our live stream here on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And uh, greetings to those who are listening in the audio feed. As you can tell, I'm uh, being joined at this time by Paul Oren. He covers the Valparaiso men's basketball team and a bunch of other sports. Uh, He's the Valpo beat reporter, writes a lot in the Missouri Valley Conference. And he's over at the Northwest Indiana Times. And once once upon a time, he taught me at Valparaiso University. How are you doing, Paul? Oh, I'm great, man. I'm great. This is, uh, it's the it's the fun week, right? It's like we're, we're through the first two weeks of the NCAA tournament. We're that much closer to baseball starting. We're that much closer to NFL free agency and the draft. It's just uh, the NBA's hitting its stride. If you're a sports fan, mid-March is the best time of the year. I 100% agree. It's the, for me as a baseball fan, college basketball, this is just, everything's coming together. We're gearing up for the next several months of baseball season. If you're enjoying baseball, we're working hard on our MLB preview series. Just dropped the NL Central preview last week. Didn't have too many kind things to say about the Cubs, Paul. You feeling good about the Brewers this year? Uh, If Christian Yelich can regain uh, his ability to hit at the plate, which I think he will, um, and, and they've got a lot of good outfielders. They just get Jackie Bradley Jr. And obviously, Avisvale Garcia and Lorenzo Cain is back. Um, it'll be odd not to have Ryan Braun. And uh, also, I think it'll be odd not to have a number one or a number two starting pitcher, but have an entire rotation made up of threes, fours, and fives. But look, after what we've been through over the last year, I'm just, I, I would love nothing more than to be able to sit in the ballpark and watch the Brewers get beat. You know, just like, give me a hot dog, give me some Cracker Jacks and some peanuts and let's go. Good stuff. Yeah, I actually think they're going to be pretty good this year. If you want to hear that preview, check it out. Subscribe to the Jack Vita Show. We've got a lot more coming up. I will do some more live streams next week as we recap the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. I've also got the NL East preview dropping this week, which I recorded with Albert Destrade and Jordan Morandini. So lots of good stuff on the horizon. Subscribe to the Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And uh, follow along here on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. YouTube.com slash Jack Vita. Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. And then Twitter and Instagram, it's at Jack Vita Show. So you don't miss out on any of our live streams. Paul, you were at the first four. I was, yeah. Uh, I, I I have uh, the unique distinction of having attended the 2019 National Championship game between Virginia and Texas Tech, taking 710 days off, <laughs> and then attending the first four of this season. Now, I missed out on the Norfolk State uh, or no, whatever the first game of the day was, Texas Southern, I think. I don't remember yeah, who played Texas in that first Southern one. Texas Southern and Mount St. Mary's. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I was not at that one. I was at the second game that tipped off, the Wichita State-Drake game. And uh, a lot of uh, Drake's players are from Northwest Indiana, and so I covered a lot of these guys in high school. And so um, we said, hey, let's go cover them in the tournament. And plus – the Missouri Valley connection, Wichita State left the Valley because they thought they weren't getting a good enough seed. And so they go to the uh, the American, right? They yeah. win the conference tournament. I mean, they get in, right? And uh, or they win the league, excuse me. They win the league, and they ha- have to play the runner-up from the Valley in the play-in <laughs> game. So it was sweet, uh, sweet revenge for the Valley. <laughs> And uh, it was it was excellent. It was very strange to be there with all the restrictions and everything like that. But I, I'm glad that I got to go. It looks like it was pretty fun. How did it differ from other sports events, other times you've been at the tournament? Yeah. So, I mean, I've covered uh, I've covered a bunch of NCAA tournaments uh, behind me. I've got many basketballs from every NCAA tournament I've ever covered. And um, and and so this one was unique. Right. Like, the, obviously, with covid uh, restrictions. There's a whole security process of getting in, and then you know you have a credential, but you also have a one-game credential. So Michigan State UCLA played right after them, and when I say right after them, I mean like two hours after them because they had to disinfect the entire building. So the game ends, 
And normally what would happen is you leave your stuff at your seat, you go downstairs, you go to a press conference, you sit in a crowded room with a bunch of other reporters. And this was not the case. They, within 10 minutes of the game ending, they funneled us out of the, the building into like a secondary area where we all were on our own computers for Zoom press conferences with all of, with, with, with the coaches and, the, and a student athlete from each school. And so then when I was done writing, I thought I could just saunter on back in and catch uh, Michigan State UCLA as a media member. But no, the, my credential was only good for one game and one game only, and which is fine. It makes sense. So I hopped in my car and I drove on home and uh, listened to that game on the radio on the way home. <laughs> Very interesting. So it sounds like it was a good time, at least. Oh, I, I loved it. You know, just any time that you can be in a gym and and especially a game, a March Madness game, I don't care if it's the play-in game or the Final Four championship game, when it comes down to a three-point shot at the buzzer, whether it goes in or goes out, it's a sweet, sweet uh, experience. Good stuff, Paul. So I gotta. I think the best place to start with you being so tapped into the Missouri Valley is really probably the biggest story of the weekend. Loyola Chicago pulling the upset over the Illinois Fighting Illini. Final score on that game, 71-58. Illinois, they were running circles around Illinois. That wasn't a particularly great game for the Illini. Yeah, I know this is going to be um, maybe a little bit of revisionist history uh, by saying this. And, 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 and I'll also tell you, in my bracket I filled out, I had Loyola in the Elite Eight. And that wasn't because... I'm, you know, a lot of people are like, ooh, hey, Grand Canyon. I know Bryce Drew. Let's put him in the <laughs> Final Four. Like, no, I put Loyola in the Elite Eight because I think Loyola is going to the Elite Eight. Um, I, I I know it's it was an eight over a one, so it's an upset per se. But I tweeted out that night or that day. I said, this was not an upset. Loyola was criminally underseated criminally understood this is a game that should have been in the elite eight to go to the final four without question Loyola should have been a three look at every metric that's out there their net all that stuff okay they don't have the resume well who had a resume this year right like who who played enough good non-conference games nobody did you know, it was maybe everyone Gonzaga. Was, Gonzaga be really the only team. Yes, and and what's funny is what's funny about that, Jack, is that everyone's criticism of Gonzaga is they don't play anybody. <laughs> they played. They played the best non-conference schedule out there with what Iowa, West Virginia, right? All these teams. So Kansas, Kansas, yeah. Um, so Loyola, I know they played Wisconsin and they lost. That was a close game, much closer than the final score indicated. They played Richmond and lost. That was a game they didn't bring their best that night. But Richmond was a team that was on the bubble going into the final week of the regular season. And Loyola rolled through the valley. And I'm talking like 40-point beatdowns of teams. Like, And then they got bored. They got bored. They just started beating everybody to a pulp, and they got bored. And then Valpo took them down to the wire at their place, and then they played against Drake, who is a team that won a game in the tournament, and they lost a game there. And then guess what? They get to the conference tournament, and they beat everybody senseless again. This was not a surprise to me. Now, now, Illinois didn't take them seriously, didn't play their best game. That was a surprise to me. It's not a surprise to me that Loyola played as well as they did. It's a surprise to me that Illinois looked lost in that game. And so you got a underseeded Loyola team going up against a team that didn't really take Loyola seriously or didn't execute or whatever. It was the perfect storm. But I'm not as shocked by this as a lot of other people. I'm more shocked that Oregon State is in this game than I am that Loyola's in this game. Right. Yeah. No, I've, I'm not shocked either. And I mean, Stem and I were saying on Sunday night, we're just like, this is really weird that they're having this matchup. I think the thing is that for some of us, we just liked Illinois so much. They were the hot team. They were playing some great basketball. And you looked at their roster top to bottom. They were so complete. And I think there were a couple things. One, Loyola being criminally underseeded, as you mentioned, and they're a really dang good team. I don't know. I don't think they were ever going to get a three seed. I thought they could get a five. I thought that the five was 
realistic for them based on how they have seeded these types of teams in the past. The fact that they're an eight was just ridiculous. The fact that they put Illinois and Loyola up against each other this early in the tournament too, just in terms of like a TV show, having good two good teams in the state of Illinois coming out of Chicago, like that's great for the sport. You, this isn't where I live is not college sports aren't that popular. Yeah. They're not. And so to have that type of interest and brewing to blow it in the second round, that was, that was a joke to me. Uh, nevertheless though. Yeah. I think the thing is one thing that I, I think Illinois was hurt by the fact that they were, they got the target on their back too. And I think they started to buy into their own hype a little bit. Well, and I think what hurts Illinois in that matchup was, okay, so you look at uh, Kofi, the big man. Well, he's really good, but so is Cameron Crutwig from Loyola. Right. So that takes away something that Illinois does really well. And then you look at Io, you know, the, the, the great, great scorer from Illinois. Well, Lucas Williamson's one of the best defensive players in the Valley and, and really in the country. And so you are able to kind of do that and you mess with them a little bit. And then it's, is Illinois going to hit shots? And they didn't hit shots that well. And, and, and again, Loyola, a lot of these guys have been in this position before Williamson and Crutwig were key players on that final four run team a couple of years ago. And retention is important. I think if you look at, and I don't have the numbers to crunch here, but if you look at the 16 teams that were, that made it through, I bet if you, I mean, you look at Baylor, why is Baylor so good? Baylor's really good because they've got great players, but so much of this team was there last year. Same thing with Gonzaga. All the a lot of these guys were guys that were there last year. And Michigan's another one, guys that were there last year. And Alabama's another example of a team that had a lot of guys carry over with Nate Oates. And so it's experience, I think. And, and these Loyola guys. They've played together for a long time. It's why they rolled through the Valley and other teams didn't. It's why it's why teams like Northern Iowa that were picked to win that league, and obviously they take their best player out of there, they just they didn't have they, – they were trying to infuse new talent, and they're going to be really good, and, that, and the, the, the struggles of this year will pay off down the line. But Loyola, you need experience if you're a mid-major. These guys have played together for a long time. I think right now – I think they'll beat Oregon State. And then it, they might, they, I mean, who knows? Syracuse is what Jim Beheim does. And then you throw in, <laughs> right. you throw in Buddy Beheim. Um, <laughs> I mean, you two Beheims for the price of one. And that game, I think, is a coin flip. I think Houston probably got the scare out of their system. But I, I, I think Loyola is, is got to be almost a favorite to, to get out of this now. And uh, and get to the final four, and, and I mean, it would be a tough game against Houston. Quentin Grimes is a great player, but um, I give me Loyola to the final four. I don't think they're going to flinch at any point. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page with you, Paul. And really, I was I did pick Illinois in this game, and again, that was part of the thing everyone was in on Illinois. And that's another thing is when everyone's saying something. Well, this is the team. This is the team. That's typically when you should raise an eyebrow and say, ah, maybe, I don't know, this isn't good if everyone's agreeing on something here. Uh, I was going to have Loyola making a deep run had they been, let's say, let's say they put them in the LSU spot in that region. Yeah. I, I probably would have had them in my final four in that case. Um, so I absolutely think they are that type of caliber team, and I could very well see it. This, this region's interesting, P.O. Yeah, no, I really, uh, I mean, it's crazy. If you think that that a 2, an 8, an 11, or a 12 are left over <laughs> in the Midwest. And again, Houston, I mean, I mean, when's the last time that Houston has been relevant on this stage? It's been forever. And I mean, they had that squad a few years ago that uh, lost on the Jordan Poole Shot. Yes, and yeah. that was an amazing game. That was, uh, I think, three years ago. Yeah, four four years ago. That was twenty eighteen. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was at uh, that that night. I was at uh, I was at Luke Gore's house for his uh, birthday celebration. We had 
Michigan and Houston on one screen, and then Javon Freeman Liberty and Whitney Young in the state championship on another screen. <laughs> it was an amazing, uh, and 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 that was I think the year that uh, that was the year that Loyola made that run to the tournament. Yep. And um, I, I remember uh, thinking about Lucas Williamson that night because he had been at Whitney Young the year before. So um, crazy that one of those four teams is going to make the Final Four. But uh, I think uh, I think Loyola and Houston probably win and set up a, an excellent game, and I think it's a coin flip in that situation. Yeah, I think Syracuse-Houston is a coin flip as well. Yes, agreed. we got to give a lot, of, a lot of credit to Bayheim. He's doing the same thing he did in 16, he did in 18. Just get in, survive in advance, and some of these teams don't know how to beat that zone. I, I don't think San Diego State knew what they were doing. Ike Huggins did, uh, and that was really fun to see a classic Big East matchup. I miss the old Big East. I really do. That was a fun, it brought me back about 10 years when I would watch those conference tournaments. And then to have the press versus the zone, it was a really, really fun matchup. Syracuse took that one 75, 72. So I had West Virginia in the final four in my Ooh. bracket. I, I thought that, uh, again, I thought Illinois was going to lose to Loyola and it happened. I thought West Virginia would, would be able to solve that zone. I also had Syracuse winning. So I, I got that correct. Um, and then I thought West Virginia would just be just a better team to get through Houston. And uh, then, you know, I thought Huggins would be able to outcoach a lot of these guys. So kind of kind of bummed that West Virginia didn't make it through just for my own bracket because everything <laughs> right. else is everything else is pretty well intact for my deeper run teams. But uh, that was a. Uh, that was a bummer to see West Virginia down early, scrap their way back. I thought, okay, they got it. Stop messing around. And uh, and that didn't go their way. <laughs> and Rutgers, totally, total choke job. That was on Sunday, Sunday evening. They were up at least 10, maybe 12 points with about five minutes, eight minutes left in that game against Houston. And I was starting to feel excited for Rutgers. I was thinking the Big Ten has been so disappointing. How great of a story would it be if Rutgers was one of the only teams out of Big Ten to get to the second weekend with their history, not winning a game in the tournament in a 40 years? It's been a long time. Uh, that one was a tough one to watch, 63-60. Well, it goes back to one of the cardinal rules of March. You can't be afraid to lose. Rutgers got a big, big lead, looked like they had it. They took the air out of the ball, and they stopped trying to score. You can't stop trying to score, especially against a team like Houston. And this is a game where two months, three months, four months, two years, three years, four years from now, those guys are going to wake up in a cold sweat and do the woulda, coulda, shoulda. Because that's they blew that game. I mean, this is like Memphis-level blowing of a game. Again, and obviously that was a national well, championship. Well, you know what it, it reminded me of was uh, – Three years ago, I always want to keep saying two years ago because we didn't have a tournament. Yeah, last exactly, year. exactly. But that uh, Cincinnati was up twenty in the second half on Nevada. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, it's just what a what a disaster there, and and that program hasn't been right ever since. And uh, you know, it is tough tough go for Rutgers. You cannot be afraid to lose. You have to play. I've never understood. You know, I always hear this. People talk about, well, human emotion kicks in when you have such a big lead and you let up. It's March. You don't let up. You never let up. I want every highlight, one shining moment to be me dunking, dunking on someone. <laughs> don't let up. And Rutgers did, and they lost. And that ought to be a lesson for everybody else going forward here. If you're in the lead, stay in the lead. Yeah, stay in the driver's seat there. Oregon State, Oklahoma State, the last one in this Midwest region to discuss. Uh, really weird game to have OSU versus OSU, <laughs> the same exact color scheme. It, and uh, Oregon State, it's like these, it's kind of like one of those uh, body swap movies here. What Oregon State just totally took over what everyone thought Oklahoma State was going to be heading into this tournament. Well, I give credit to Oregon State because they had to win their conference tournament just to get in yeah. to the tournament, and now they're in the Sweet 16. This is amazing. Um, you know, the, the Bill Walton's Conference of Champions is proving <laughs> to be 
that right now. I watched their uh, their Pac-12 title game with Colorado because I was sweating out Drake getting in the tournament, and I thought if Oregon State wins, it's not going to happen for Drake. And uh, so I was I was kind of cheering desperately for Colorado because I was, you know, but but now that Oregon State is here, I mean, they destroyed Tennessee, and then. Oklahoma State, again, your eyes get big if you're Oklahoma State. Illinois just got knocked out. You've got the best player in the tournament on your roster and Cade Cunningham. And you, sometimes you fall in love with the numbers. We're a four, they're a 12. We got this. And uh, and obviously Oregon State came out possessed. I think I think it was and kudos to Tinkle. Uh, Tinkle at Hinkle. Good, uh, good <laughs> hashtag there. Yeah. But uh, kudos to Oregon State. And uh, I think you're going to hear a lot more about Gary Payton over the next uh, couple of days as we always look for storylines and right. everything. So, um, uh, you know, Oregon State's just a, it's it's a fun program. I, I, I remember fondly watching Valpo beat Oregon State a couple of years ago and in, in what was just an excellent game and, and a big win for Valpo at the time. And um, you flew out for that one. No, right? I did not. And oh, one of the greatest stories of my of my writing career. Uh, let me take a quick moment to tell you this. Yeah, uh, the game was on the Pac-12 network, and very few places in Valpo had it. I don't think I got it at home, and so I was trying to figure out how to how to watch the game. It's about five minutes before the game's going to start, and a friend of mine. Her uh, her husband is the head bar, was the head bartender at Northside, and Northside the bar bar and tap in Valpo had the Pac-12 network, and I get a text message from her saying Homer Drew just walked in the bar. He's sitting at the bar. He ordered a cheeseburger. He's watching the game. I got in my car, Jack, and I drove eighty miles an hour to Northside, and I went in there and I sat next to Homer Drew, and we watched the game. And I got to tell you, that was like going to a basketball master's class. I sat there and every every time out, Homer would kind of lean over and say, well, look at the five man's going to curl here and the three's going to cross over and then they're going to get the shot. That ball would inbound. Whoop, it would happen. And I just looked at him. I'm like, how do you know this? Like, how do you? And, and so it got it got late in the game. Valpo's up and Homer starts pacing and everything. And, um, it was, uh, it was amazing. So Valpo wins the game. Homer pulls out his wallet, says to the bartender, the waiter says, that was the best cheeseburger I ever ate Threw 25 bucks down on the table and walked out. <laughs> and it was amazing. And I'm sure he walked out to get on the phone with Bryce and Scott. Cause they have these like nightly calls all the time. But, um, that was a, that was a good memory that I have of that game. And that's and, awesome. Yeah. That was like a good time. Did you ever think so? I was watching the Baylor game. I think it was the Baylor Wisconsin game, or it may have been Baylor Hartford. Did you ever think Homer would become Scott Drew's dad? I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> yeah. um, it's interesting because Scott, you know, Scott was was kind of the guy who was always groomed to be the head coach at at Valpo, and then he took over, spent a year as the head coach, and then went to Baylor, and Homer came back as the head coach, and Scott's always been. You know, I don't know if independent is the word because I don't know the family dynamics all that well. But Scott's always kind of been on on his own. Um, and then wherever Bryce has gone, Homer and Janet have moved. You know, they moved to Nashville. They stayed here when he was a head coach here. And now they're in Arizona. And um, but I thought it just was very fun. And uh, and Bryce was also at that game. And, and they'll stay down there and, and continue to be at these games here as they get to play Villanova as, uh, as I guess, as we pivot to the South, what should really be for my money, the best matchup in the sweet 16. Certainly on this side of the bracket, on the right side of the bracket, I would agree. I have one more thing I want to say on Oklahoma state real quick. And that yeah. was that I actually was wondering if they were a better team at points this year when Cade Cunningham wasn't playing, they had, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. I think, um, you know, I, I think sometimes when you have a guy who's so talented, you have to get him the ball, and that breaks down everything else you're doing. And yeah. I don't think Kate Cunningham is a bad teammate. That's not what I'm saying here. Yeah. 
But I, I think if we want to take the same color scheme and look at the Cleveland Browns, they're a better team without Odell Beckham Jr. on the field. And the reason for that is if you have a guy as talented as Odell, you have to get him the ball and because he's your playmaker. But if he's not out there, the sum of the parts is, is is greater than the individual talented pieces. And so I think with, uh, look, if you tell me I can have Kate Cunningham or I can't have Kate Cunningham, I want Kate Cunningham on my team. I do think that when he's not there, I think this happens to a lot of teams. I think when he's not there, it, it forces everyone else to kind of step up their game a little bit. And so I think it's kind of, I, I think you're correct. I also think it's unfair to categorize it as that because it, it sounds like he's a bad teammate and I don't think he no. was. Yeah, no, he's not. I, he seems like a good kid. I just think that his style is probably going to fit the NBA a little better mm-hmm. than it does college basketball. There's a lot of isolation, kind of plays at a little bit of a slower pace in terms of looking for, you know, a, a step back three or whatever it may be driving. And I thought their offense looked better as I was watching them in the last couple of weeks when he was out for a little bit and they were a little more, they're doing a little better job of just swinging the ball around, getting open shots. They're a fun team to watch. Yeah. Not anymore though. Not anymore. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Baylor Villanova, I think should be a really good game. Uh, two great coaches and a lot of us, including myself, wrote off Villanova after they lost Gillespie as, yep. after Justin Moore was injured. They've not really had much of a problem with Winthrop or North Texas. They beat North Texas 84-61 on, on Sunday. So, yeah, Baylor and Baylor with the with a nice win over the Badgers for that matter, too. So, you know, I, I, I was one of those that did write off Villanova as well. I thought, I, you know, I watched them play uh, a game against Providence right after yeah. Gillespie got hurt, and they looked so lost. And I just thought, well, they're just – and then Moore got hurt, and it's like it's not going to happen. Um, and Winthrop was twenty three and one coming into the tournament, so obviously, like this looked to be like a ripe five twelve upset. And you know, we always seem to get one. And I, I thought it was going to come from there, and I thought Creighton might have gotten upset too. Yeah, and um, and 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 so Villanova beats Winthrop, and then they and then they luck out. I think I think Villanova Purdue would have been a great game, and Purdue just. You know, as per usual, uh, the expectations of that program always seem to overshadow the execution of that program. Um, and so, yeah, Baylor, Villanova. Now, here's the deal. Baylor's got far better talent than Villanova. Jay Wright is one of the best coaches in the country. And Jay Wright figures out how to get water out of a stone every year. You know, so I think it's going to be a great game. I think. Jay Wright is going to throw chess moves after chess moves at Scott Drew, who also will counter with some too. Scott's got the more talented team. I think Baylor wins. I think it'll be a tough, tough game. And I guess I wouldn't be altogether shocked if the upset happened, but I think Baylor wins this one, but I do think it's going to be a great game. Yeah, it's going to be a terrific game. Lower and the lower part of the South bracket. This brings me back to a game we already referenced from a few years ago, that Cincinnati and Nevada game. How about both those coaches from back then, Mick Cronin and Eric Musselman, taking their new programs to the Sweet 16? Great stories there. I love the way or- I love the way Arkansas plays. I don't know why. I almost called them Oregon. Maybe I was looking at <laughs> I, I combined Oral Roberts and, uh, and hey, Arkansas. Yeah. Or Arkansas. <laughs> but uh, – no, that game over Tech, that was definitely – that was one of the best games of the weekend. Oh, it was it was an excellent game. And you got Chris Beard, who's just uh, an excellent coach. And I wonder I wonder where he'll be coaching next year. If there's Ooh. a chance he could go to Indiana, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, Arkansas, give them a lot of credit. Jack, this is, uh, this is kind of – this will predate you, certainly. <laughs> um, I've always kind of had a uh, – I don't know. A, a, a grudge with Arkansas. So I was a big Fab Five fan growing up, the Michigan basketball team. Um, yep, that was before I was born. I was born '94. I've got the uh, I've got the book right here. Which the album? Fab, 
the Fab Five. This is what this is what got me into college basketball. This book is what uh, this is the original one. Pages are falling out. I've read this book thirty times. I love it. It's what it's what got me started in caring about college basketball. And it's one of the great, great books. If you've never read Fab Five by Mitch Album, for people that are listening, it is an amazing, amazing book. And so these guys uh, go to the final or go to the final four their first two years. And then their junior year, Chris Weber leaves and it's still Jalen Rose, Juwan Howard, all this. And they meet up with Arkansas and they lose. And I was crushed as a 14 year old kid. But uh, Arkansas, this was right when Bill Clinton had become president. And, and Arkansas goes on to win the national championship. Bill Clinton was from there. And I was just like, come on. I don't, I can't stand Arkansas. Like they, my teacher, and I was in seventh or eighth grade when this happened. My teacher was, a, um, was an Arkansas guy. Loved, loved the hogs, as he called them. I, I never understood. You're the Razorbacks, but you're the hogs. I didn't get it. <laughs> And so then two years later, 1996 was, I think, the last time they made it back to the Sweet 16 until now. That's 25 years, I think it's been. And so this is a program that's been largely out of the limelight. And I got to tell you, though, their their fan base is rabid. They're they're excellent. And I kudos to Arkansas for the season they played. And then to get through Colgate, they were down so big early. And uh, and then to gut it out against Texas Tech, I, I think they won't have a problem with Oral Roberts. And uh, I think Arkansas has got every chance out there to make it to the Final Four. Well, we have to be careful about what we say about Oral Roberts. On yes, show. we do. We absolutely do. Because yeah. I uh, I now have to eat cat food because I I said that they would not they would not beat Ohio State. I have to eat cat food on the podcast. That's not that's not good. <laughs> but hey, I mean they they're rattling off these wins uh and they've been they've been fun to watch. Big win over Florida 81-78. They're in the sweet 16. Great story for the with the they're the Golden Eagles, I believe, even though they don't wear gold. So, it's going to be really hard for you to get me to say anything positive about Oral Roberts. So, <laughs> For, for those who don't, so, so I went to Valpo and Valpo and Oral Roberts were in the same conference when I was in school. And this was Valpo's rival. All the, I think my sophomore year, maybe freshman year, one of those, yeah, freshman year, I think they met in the conference, maybe the championship game. And, and Valpo wins that game. My sophomore year, I think Oral Roberts was doing really well. And then like a week before the season, three of their players danced in in like on campus. Like they, they went to a dance party and they got suspended for the conference tournament. Like it, I don't know if, what exactly it was, but like they, they have this social contract there and they, yeah. they got not they got kicked off the team because they like went they danced. This is like footloose stuff. This is crazy. And so they Valpo, I don't think ever won at Oral Roberts when I was there as a student. I, I went to a couple of those games. My senior year, we had them beat. I say we because I was uh, like traveled with the team all the time. We had them beat, and then uh, a terrible turnover on the last possession of the game by Valpo, and uh, it was awful. So, um, yeah, kudos to Oral Roberts, but I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to kiss the ring. I'll tell you that <laughs> for sure. But hey, they're only, they're only the second 15 seed to ever get into the Sweet 16. We love to see those upsets. I feel like this tournament, Paul, has really had everything we look for. We've gotten some of these bigger programs through. Like we're going to see, I mean, I'm fairly confident. I mean, Baylor Villanova, that's a great Sweet 16 game. I think we're, there's a really good chance we could see a Gonzaga Baylor national championship, which at this point I hope to see. I think those are your two best teams this year. Michigan is still getting through. There's some other big programs that are kind of resurging in terms of UCLA, Arkansas, another one, uh, and those coaches that we mentioned. We got the personalities with the coaches. We got Bayheim. And then we have these upsets. We got these great stories like Loyola and Oregon State and Oral Roberts and Abilene Christian winning in the first weekend. What more could you ask for? 
So here's here's what you can ask for, and this is a this is a heartbreaking element of the bubble right now. I certainly Oregon State and Oral Roberts fall into this. UCLA and Syracuse are are blue blood ish programs that, but I look at these teams that that made this kind of magical run. And when Valpo made the Sweet 16 in 1998, after they won that second game against Florida State, they traveled back to campus. And they got a police escort. And they got, I mean, fans are lining the streets. And they were were treated as conquering heroes coming back to the Coliseum, right? And Oral Roberts isn't going to get that unless they win the whole thing, you know? But, like... They should, I, I feel bad because they win the biggest games in school history and they go back to the Marriott and, and they got to sit in Indy for a week and, and not, I, I'm bummed out for these big, for these big seeds that even Loyola, right? Like Loyola beats Illinois. They should have had a parade back to the Gentile center after that game. Instead they go play Netflix or, or, or PS5 in, in, the, yeah, in their hotel okay. rooms. And um, and so I, I that that week in between where you know the where the local media for each of these things like start doing live hits from the campus and going to the practices and all of that, that's missing a little bit. And that's a bummer for some of these big programs that have made these deep runs. Again, my heart doesn't break for Oral Roberts. I hope they get <laughs> stuck in a hotel, you know. But like, it's um, I don't hold grudges. I don't. I don't <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think it's I think it's an excellent um, excellent that we're having this tournament. I do wish these teams would get the the conquering hero back home kind of thing because only one of those teams is going to really be able to walk away from this with a smile on their face. But I mean, Oral Roberts should be happy with what they've done, and they got that score. He's so good, Max. I, I, I'm going to get his last name wrong, but um, they, they are a fun team to watch. And uh, It's funny that Oral Roberts now has to go through, quote, 40 minutes of hell, which is what Arkansas's defense is kind of – is what it's always been called. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw Barkley making some jokes on that a couple days ago. Good stuff. Good production on yes. everyone's part. That's Yeah, that's an unfortunate – part of this I hadn't thought about you bring up some really good points with that the big story from one of the big stories from this weekend the underperformance of the Big Ten and to tell the truth I'm not really shocked by it uh I think that the Big Ten was very very strong this year no make no mistake about it but I think there got to a point where it was like Michigan State gets into the tournament they had a losing conference record and they were under, they were not impressive to me at all this year. And the thing was like, Oh, well they won nine games in the big 10 and the big 10 is just so incredible. It might be the greatest conference year that a conference has ever had. And quite frankly, I thought the big 10 was actually a little stronger last year. I thought there was a little more depth. The bottom half of the big 10 was not very impressive. Iowa bows out yesterday. Oregon beats them 95, 80, uh, I guess we can touch on that game, but yeah, I'll let you uh, share your thoughts on the Big Ten for that matter. Yeah, so I think a couple of different things. One, the nature of the Big Ten, night in, night out, just a battle every yeah. night. No off nights. There's no. We always kind of joke. There's no Youngstown States in the in the Big Ten, <laughs> right? You know, and um, and so this move to the twenty game conference season does a really good job of insulating their net rankings and kind of, they all beat up on each other. And so they raise their collective. And so they do get nine teams in the conference, which is great for the big 10. That's nine, nine units. They got you throw in, uh, let's see here, Michigan advanced, Wisconsin advanced. That's up to 11 Rutgers, 12 uh, Illinois, 13. So 13, 13 units, now 14 because Michigan won their game. I mean, they're, they're going to get a lot of money. Maryland also won a game, 15, 15 units. They're going to get a lot of money. Um, but did they really prepare their teams properly? I think another thing you have to look at is the human element of this, where a lot of these bubble teams, not bubble teams, but tournament teams, arrived in Indy on Sunday or Monday of last week. So they've been there for a week already. 
the Big Ten teams had already been there for the conference tournament. And so they have been sequestered in their hotel for a long time. And I, I, I don't, you know, first of all, I think everyone should have played their conference tournaments. I, I'm, I've, I've really been upset by people who said, well, conference tournaments were a waste of time. But the Big Ten's insistence on doing their conference tournament on the last couple days of the season finishing that game right before the selection show, I think sets up their teams to have tired legs at the end of the year. I love that the Valley does their conference tournament a week beforehand and then gives those teams a week to, to rest. And uh, you don't get that if you're in the big 10. And so I think you're seeing, uh, you're seeing some of the problems of that right now. Yeah, and those are also some really good points that I hadn't thought too much about. Oregon with the big, big win yesterday, 95 to 80. 95. They hung 95 points on Iowa. Iowa can't really guard a whole lot of people. So, but I was expecting a little better from Iowa. I wasn't shocked by that. Luca Garza was very emotional leaving that game. Personally, though, Paul, I think he's going to come back. I just think he's too great of a college basketball player, and he's not the type of guy. He's not a can't-miss NBA prospect. Here's the frustrating thing that I saw is all these people were kind of saying yesterday, Garza walks, you know, Garza's final college game. Garza, there's he can come back. Yeah. They can all come back. And and it's interesting because if you're Garza, right, are you going to the NBA? Like realistically, or or can you you stay in college for another year? Right now, I think a big thing is if this name image likeness thing were to get sorted out. I mean, you know, Luca Garza will never have to buy a drink again in Iowa. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, you keep losing in the second round, maybe, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, that game was over to me when it was eight to seven. I think so. Here's what happened: uh, Oregon ran in action where they kind of they, they move the ball around um, to kind of shift the defenders a little bit. And then they did a straight line drive right down the teeth of Iowa's defense. And all four guys just looked at the driver. I don't, I don't know who had the ball. I don't know where everyone was on the floor. I don't know these teams that well. But it was pass, 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 drive. And it was like just watching someone. It was like Moses parting the Red Sea. <laughs> And there, and like one Iowa guy like flinched at the ball, but he never left his spot. He didn't even, it was clear the guy was just going to drive in and lay it up. And I, 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 my jaw was on the floor. I said, how do you play defense like this? And it was eight, I think it was like seven, seven. And then, then it was nine, seven or whatever. And I just thought it's over. Like, there's no way that if that's the kind of defensive intensity they're bringing in the opening five minutes, this it's done. It's Iowa's awful. And a Grand Canyon pushed them in a way. I mean, Grand Canyon, kudos to Bryce Drew, but that's that's not a team that should be hanging and making Iowa's starters play the entire game. Iowa should have had that game. They should have blown them out. And then you put them against an Oregon team that and people are like, oh, they were well-rested. Sure, they've also been sitting around doing nothing for five days, right? Like one hundred percent agree, Paul. I was just about to say that I actually thought they probably they would rather play that game. Yes, get a little yes. momentum going, get used to that whole bubble thing, get used to playing in those gyms, get acclimated. It's better than doing nothing. Keep your legs moving, do something, get that win under your belt. They go in cold. I thought that was bad for Oregon, and I it my Agreed. takeaway was just how impressed I, I was with them. You know, I talked to some of the Drake players because they had the similar thing in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. They thought they were going to play, and then an hour before the game, yeah. they said no. So they went out on the court. They did some layup lines for a half hour, and then they left. And their guys said, we were crushed. We wanted to play. Like, we wanted, we weren't worried about losing. We wanted to go out there and play. That's what we do. We're college basketball players. And, um, man, that was, uh, that was tough. How about, uh, how you know, again, Iowa – Tough, tough loss. Right. 95 to 80 is a big score, but how about the other game in that side of the bracket? Oh, 85 they... 51, Kansas oh. completely <gasps> destroyed. Couldn't that have was... happened to a nicer guy. 
Couldn't have happened. <laughs> Couldn't have happened to a nicer program. Oh my goodness, PO, that was shocking. That one was. I mean, USC was actually favored to win that game, and Kansas didn't look impressive against Eastern Washington. I did not think they were going to lose by 34 points. That was insane. USC, the biggest team in this tournament. They got the Mobley brothers. That's a fun team that's heating up. I was sort of, uh, I really liked them. And then they started to swoon a little bit in late February, early March. They're clicking on all cylinders. You got a really exciting Pac-12 matchup here in the Sweet 16 I think that whoever wins this game is going to give Gonzaga a good run for their money. I, I would love to see USC win because I would love to see the Mobley brothers go up against Gonzaga. I think it's going to be a great game. And I, USC-Oregon will be a great game. And I think Gonzaga will not have much problems with Creighton. Although, uh, you know, you never know. Creighton's a plucky team, so we'll, we'll see. But um, I, I, I think that uh, USC-Oregon... Really, I mean, it's the it's the late night game on Sunday night. Uh, we we are gonna have some fun with that one. Nine forty five tip. I, I somebody give me Bill Walton on the call. Can Bill <laughs> Walton just do a live Zoom. Oh and, man, uh, and just man, what a game that's gonna be. USC and Oregon. I I, I can't wait. Uh, you know, the Pac twelve is is a conference that not a lot of people watch. I'm a night owl, so I watch Pac twelve a lot, and I. I love uh, I love these two teams, and I think uh, the Durante from uh, from Oregon, you know, just good, uh, good, good game. Can't wait for it. The Pac-12 Conference of Champions. I smoked peyote with uh, <laughs> with Kareem, and like, oh, great, just crazy, crazy. Oh, he's great. Yeah, I think we we don't have to really talk much more on this region, but I will give credit to Creighton, how they came together here at the late in the season. Uh, they had some adversity, some off the court stuff, some distractions, and they were able to come together, win these couple of games. They were another team that a lot of us wrote off, including myself. Uh, Paul, do you know if they've ever been to the Sweet 16 before? Is this their first time or second time? You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's funny because um, before Valpo joined the Valley, I always kind of ignored that conference. It was a bunch of Illinois teams in it, and I don't, I'm not from there. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was always a much more of a Horizon League guy. When we talk about like the two mid majors in the Midwest, um, I, I never really followed the MAC and I never really followed the Valley, but I followed the Horizon League a lot because that's what Wisconsin and uh, Milwaukee and Green Bay were in. So I didn't. I didn't know much about the history. I would think when McDermott was there, though, that they would have made some runs to uh, to the Sweet 16. But I would um, love if someone's watching this and if they want to look that up and let us know, leave a comment. I would love to know if Creighton's been to Sweet 16 before. This may have been their first time. I am. Uh, I am. I'm quickly. <laughs> All right. Looking. Yeah. Um, yes, this okay. is their fourth. Trip. I don't mean to answer. I don't mean to cut off what other people are saying. <laughs> this was their fourth trip, but their first since 1974. They made the Elite Eight in 1941. And it's interesting because some of those years in like 41, 42, stuff like that, um, when World War II was going on, some of the rosters were, were depleted a little bit from some other teams. But uh, so 62, 64, 74, they made the Sweet 16. Now, it's interesting because a lot during the Oral Roberts broadcast, they were talking about how they never made the Sweet 16, but they'd actually made the Elite Eight because the term Sweet 16 didn't exist until whenever the tournament was kind of rebranded at some point. So in a uh, in a tournament that is at 68 teams, this is obviously the furthest that they have uh, that they have gone. So it was not since the days of Eddie Sutton <laughs> at uh, at Creighton that they made it to the Sweet 16. Yeah, so I definitely did not think they had gotten with McDermott. So for him to get it there uh, in this year, uh, everything going on there, happy for Creighton, good story. Uh, and I, I don't think, I mean, we'll see what they can give Gonzaga. I don't think they match up great against Gonzaga, but I, I'm with you. I would love to see that Gonzaga-USC game. That would be a very great treat in the Elite Eight. 
Creighton lost in the round of 32 in 12, 13, and 14. So they never, they never got out of it. So, um, but yeah, so Gonzaga and Creighton should be a good one, USC, Oregon. And now, now we move to the East, right? Now we move to the fun one. <laughs> yeah, very fun one. And we'll lead off here with that Michigan LSU game from last night. So I actually picked LSU to go to the final four, Paul. I had him, I had him beating Michigan. I did not have him going any beyond that, but I thought LSU was going to beat Michigan. And I was not surprised when LSU jumped out to an early lead on them. Now, for entertainment purposes only, I thought that at a certain point of the game, if you're the kind of person that likes to move units around on a screen um, on on wagering, uh, it looked like uh, Michigan was the good value play, and they ended up coming home for a lot of people in that respect last night. <laughs> Did you uh, make any benefits from that financially, P.O.? Financially, no, but entertainment-wise, entertainment. yes. For entertainment purposes only. <laughs> Hashtag, yes. don't bet on it. Yes. <laughs> Save your money. I uh, very don't... much enjoyed Michigan coming back in that game for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> uh, now, I will tell you, I was bummed out because I had LSU winning that game. And... Um, because I just thought with with some of the injury stuff and and again, I I kind of predicted in a way that the Big Ten was going to struggle when I filled out a bracket. The first like I always fill out like an initial one right when it comes out, and I didn't have any Big Ten teams in the Final Four. And a friend of mine said, "What are you crazy?" He's like, "I got three teams in the Final four. And I said, "I don't I don't think so." And uh, I'm I I'm glad that I came to be correct here, but I thought LSU was going to win that game. Yeah, I just pulled up my bracket, and I only had one Big Ten team in the Elite Eight. So, hey, we can pat ourselves on the back for something because there was plenty that I'm sure we both got wrong. But Yeah, well, I didn't have Oral <laughs> Roberts, um, you know, being in the game at halftime against Ohio State. So. <laughs> LSU really impressed me in that SEC tournament game, and they, they looked good last night. The thing is, they are such an, an athletic and skilled team. They have a lot of guys who can shoot it and light it up. They don't have the physicality to match up against Dickinson. I thought they actually did a fairly good job against him as, as well as they could. Uh, I really think that this win was a turning point win for Michigan. My thing with them is I thought if they can get through the first weekend, get a couple wins under their belt, then they can start rolling with that momentum, similar to how they did it a couple years ago when they made the, to the championship game. Yeah, I mean they got to be the favorite in every game. This, you know, in in, in the East going forward. I mean, Florida State's going to be a tough game, and then they win that, and then they'll get UCLA or Alabama, and they'll be favorite against against one of those teams. Um, I think they've. With each win they get, they're they're kind of going to add another layer of experience for some of these younger guys on their team. And look at Brown last night, twenty one points off the bench. I think it was what a game. And uh, I mean, they don't win that game without him. And so it's now. I'll tell you, I've got Florida State in the Final Four. I picked them to make it, and partially that was because I thought they'd be playing LSU, You're and right. I thought that they'd beat LSU, no problem. And then I thought that. And I actually had um, what did I, I might have had Texas. I, I I don't remember. I actually no. I had UConn. I had UConn getting to the Elite Eight, and because so I thought I thought UConn would beat Maryland, and then uh, and I didn't think that UConn would have a problem with Alabama. I thought Alabama was maybe a little bit overrated. Um, Alabama put ninety six points on Maryland. Alabama's <laughs> not overrated. I didn't watch enough. I'm the problem. I didn't watch enough <laughs> Alabama. They're good. And uh, Michigan, Alabama should be a great game if we get to that point. Uh, Michigan, obviously, will tell you all about playing Alabama in football and how well that didn't work out for them. So I know Michigan <laughs> would like to see them on the basketball court, maybe. Well, I think that the SEC, it was very top heavy, clearly, this year. Um, you you weren't big on Alabama. You have some personal feelings over the past with Arkansas uh, but I thought LSU, as I watched them in that conference tournament, I thought they measured up very well with those two teams. Uh, those yeah. te three teams were very good. I thought LSU, it was a bad draw here again that they had to, they were an eight seed. They probably would have been better in Tennessee's spot as the five seed. Tennessee was m very much more disappointing this year. 
nevertheless, uh, Bama is a dang good team. I'm glad people are starting to kind of see them a little bit. The danger that they could run into is just the fact that I've been saying it all year. They shoot so many threes at some point. When are you going to have a game where you can't hit those threes? And are you going to keep chucking them up there? Because in a in an NBA Finals or in an NBA playoff series, you can afford to have a, a couple of cold shooting nights. NCAA tournament, if this is the way your team goes, you can't afford to have that. Yeah, and I, you know, I haven't. I'd have to go back and look and see what gyms they actually played in um, in in the first couple games. I do know that across the line, that the shooting numbers, I think, at Bankers Life have been down, and I know that this what this next round is going to be both at Banker's Life and Hinkle. So I, I don't I don't have in front of me exactly where they're playing. Why do you think that is at Banker's Life? I don't know. I mean, it, I, I wouldn't have thought that coming in, but there's been enough of the games now that the uh, – the and the over-unders, the unders have hit at Banker's Life considerably more than both the over there or considerably more than anywhere else. I don't know if it's sight lines and shooting and, and if, you know, Hinkle and Assembly and Mackey are all college arenas and, and, and the fairgrounds are all college arenas. And then Banker's Life is just a bigger thing. I, I, I wonder what it's like to shoot in one of these big arenas with no fans around as, as well, you know, or, or limited fans. Hey, you get it can't Lucas. be too different from uh, when the Horizon League was at the Joe Lewis Arena. You know what, Motor City Madness, near and dear <laughs> to all of our hearts, right? Um, you know, I, again, I'll be the first to admit, I didn't watch a lot of SEC basketball. The only time I did was when I was kind of hate-watching Vanderbilt. And uh, <laughs> and so uh, Alabama caught me by surprise. Nate Oates is a great coach from oh, yeah. his time at Buffalo. And and I think, uh, you know, I like the fact that Alabama is is good at basketball again. It's been a while. It's, it's interesting when I look at, uh, I think about – teams that are like in that bracket right um you got florida state byu and alabama which are all teams that valpo beat within like a four month four month window matter of fact they beat byu and and uh alabama on back-to-back nights in las vegas in 2016 and they beat florida state a couple months earlier in the nit and uh and here you got all these teams that are kind of rolling forward here Three, three of the teams that are in the Sweet 16 are teams that Valpo has beaten within the last five years. <laughs> that blows my mind. That's wild. That's that's great. I love that. I love to see that. Uh, Bama with the big win over Maryland, 96-77. UCLA rolled through Abilene Christian. One of the best stories from day one, 67-47. UCLA rolls on. Florida State, they had a monster second half last night against Colorado. That was – Colorado may have even been leading at the half, and they went on a huge run, ended up winning that game 71-53. Leonard Hamilton, man, great coach. Yeah. Great, great, excellent coach. Especially gonna, this time of year. Yes, and he's going to throw the kitchen sink at Michigan. That's going to be it, – it's interesting. We're, we're to the point now where we should be seeing 1-4 and 2-3 matchups. This is the only one out of the eight games that are out there uh, that we're going to see a 1-4 or a 2-3. Everything else is is crazy, you know? Like, um, there's not there's only a couple two-seeds left. There's only one three-seed left. Uh, but there we go, the 1-4 the game. This is going to be a great game. I can't wait. Sunday afternoon, it's going to be an excellent game. Yeah, we're going to have Saturday where we're really looking at a lot of these dark horse teams sneaking through. And then Sunday, you get to see a little more of those bigger programs, the 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 blue bloods, as we like to call them. It's going to be a great weekend. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. So I think we pretty much touched on all these games. I had a couple other things I was curious to visit with you. Number one, I'm curious just on a broad spectrum here with we touched on it with Iowa, with some of these guys who might come back. Could Wisconsin, are all those guys going to come back and field the senior citizen team next year? Yeah, they very well could, right? I mean, there are very few things. And I look at, you know, some of these some of these programs that are that are really good right now. Like, do they care? Like, look at Michigan State or Michigan. Like, 
they care about their college sports. Same thing with Wisconsin. These guys can be gods at Wisconsin for another year, you know, and, uh, and, and you get a master's degree. Like that's the thing yeah. too. It's like most of those guys in Wisconsin are going to go to Europe for a couple of years, play basketball, barnstorm around the, the country playing basketball or the world playing basketball, but they're not going to the NBA. And so they're going to have that, uh, that same opportunity is going to be available to them yeah, exactly. in a year. They don't have to do it now. And so get a master's degree, go do, go do something where you can, uh, where you can play basketball for another year, run it back. I, I would, I would think in the uns, like I understand this urge. If you're Cade Cunningham, go get paid, right? If you're, if you are a a dynamite prospect, go get paid. But in this uncertain world that we're in right now, just uncertain for for what do the contracts look like at the next level? What's the what you know? All of these things, like. Why wouldn't you stay? Let's look at Loyola, Cameron Crutwig. I mean, that guy, is he going to go to the NBA? Probably not. Is he going to go to Europe? Probably. Make some money. Sure. But come back. You know, like get a master's degree. Do do what do what you need to do there. And uh and and Garza is another one. Garza is gonna make money as a pro, but maybe, maybe there's a reason to come back. But maybe there's a reason not to. You know, maybe maybe it's you know what I I had my time, uh, it's and and, and they're going to move on. It'll be fascinating to see what happens with with all of these seniors. It's going to be so interesting. I think that I think Garza is going to come back. I think that that game yesterday that has to leave a terrible taste in your mouth. I was hearing some of my friends were saying that Wieskamp is an NBA prospect, and to tell the truth, I'm not a huge. You look surprised at that. I, I when's the last time someone from Iowa went to the NBA? BJ Armstrong. Yeah, long time ago. Yeah. No, I mean they were saying he could be a Duncan Robinson type, but Duncan Robinson didn't get drafted. So yeah. I don't really I think there's a good chance at the very least you could see Bohannon and Garza and Wieskamp. I could see all those they've been around for forever. This is the type of year you want to come back and get your revenge and win at the college level. The college game is so great, and I think it's going to be uh, really – I also think it's going to be a good thing for the fans if we have some of these guys sticking around a little longer because that's one of the problems we've had is one of the things in college is you have to keep developing new faces and people that the fans are familiar with. And if you get them sticking around another year – That'll be good for the fan bases. That'll be good for the sport as a whole. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, and again, I think you see if 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 people are bought into their team culture. I watched this great video yesterday of um, of Ohio's coach Jeff Bowles talking to his team after the loss and saying, "I love you guys, what you guys did, and all this stuff." And you realize like they can run it back next year if they want to, but then again. They may not be able to. Uh, Jack, I got to roll here in a second because yeah. I got another meeting I got to jump into. But uh, can I ask final... you one last yeah. thing? Real yeah, quick? yeah, absolutely. All right. Absolutely. You're so tapped into the Valley. There's a yeah. lot of talk about Porter Moser uh, potentially as a coaching candidate. Uh, do you think that's something that could potentially happen? What What are your thoughts on that? I think Porter's got all the leverage right now. I think they've got great facilities at Loyola in terms of their practice facility and all of that stuff. And, 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 He's got everything that he wants in front of him to be the the next kind of mid-major power. But Marquette would make sense for him. And IU, maybe. But I think religion is a big part of his makeup. And I think Marquette would make the most sense. All right. Good stuff, Paul. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Why don't you throw out your Twitter and social media and uh, stuff you're working on writing right now? Um, at NWI Oren on Twitter, you can find me. I've got a podcast called Union Street Hoops, and um, I'm digging a lot into transfers right now. That's a thing that I'm working on at the moment. Valpo's got seven guys in the portal. There's 725 names in the portal right now. Uh, there's a lot out there, and um, yeah, it's only going to get it's only going to be more. So we're looking at that. So I should have a big piece this coming weekend on uh, on, on transfers. So hey, Jack, keep up the great work, man. I love what you do. You're really good at it. I love the guests that you have. 
And uh, as long as my bracket beats Andrew Stems, that's all that really matters. <laughs> Good stuff. Really appreciate your kind words and uh, your mentorship as well, P.O. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you back soon. Take care. Uh, my pleasure. Take care, buddy. Bye. All right. Let me. All right. Great job by Paul Oren. Was a lot of fun having him on the show. I know he's got to run. Uh, we were wrapping up right now anyway. Y'all, thank you so much for tuning in and hearing our thoughts on the round of 32. We'll have more of these live streams to come, more guests, uh, probably check in with Andrew Stem once again at some point. And hey, you'll see it. The guests are TBD, but we're going to probably go live on Monday to recap Sweet 16 and then on Wednesday to recap the Elite Eight. So follow me on social media for all the announcements on that. Once again, at Jack Vita Show on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show, YouTube.com slash Jack Vita. Log on to my website, jackvita.com. Get the newsletter so whenever there's new content available, whether I'm writing or podcasting, you'll get it in your email inbox and uh, you'll be up to speed on everything we're working on. All right, so we got Sweet 16, Elite 8, and we got our NL East preview dropping probably Thursday or Friday. Until the next time you hear from me, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>